Hey, you and Terror listeners. Before we get to the episode, we wanted to take a moment to address the June 24, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Learn more by visiting podvoices.help. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. There is no such thing as a free lunch. That's basically all you need to know about economics, or for that matter, about life. Everything comes with a price, and there are no perfect solutions, only trade-offs. If you think you're getting something for free, you're fooling yourself. One way or another, somebody has to pay for it, and that somebody usually includes you. This bit of priceless wisdom was popularized in the 1970s by University of Chicago economist Milton Friedman. The clip you just heard is from Johann Norberg, senior fellow of the Cato Institute, telling the story of Milton Friedman on the popular PragerU website and YouTube channel. This is a major podcast and we call it UNFTR. I'm fucking the Republic is the name that is not safe for work. We hate Reagan, Milton Friedman, Rupert Murdoch, and Matt Gates. Talk socioeconomics, global markets, politics, and race. Max, the host, is basic and admits he likes Miami Vice. 99 produces, also she's a vegan and she's nice. Manny Faces is the genius on the board behind the glass. Together they produce this unbelievable fucking podcast. Together they produce this unbelievable fucking And, uh, yeah, by the way, my name is Tom McGovern, and just know that I'm a hired gun. So if you're gonna hate somebody, please don't let me be the one. Now you have the details of the show and the entire cast. So listen to this unbelievable fucking podcast. So listen to this unbelievable, this unbelievable, so listen to this unbelievable the Republic is sponsored by Insane Level members, Kryn G, Jennifer S, G Wookie of Ohio, Goat, Eric Wagner 101, David MJ, Corey S, Cindy S, Asshole, Awesome A, and Asoke. Things have been pretty shitty for a while now. The barrage of bad news feels relentless and paralyzing. On news outlets, social media, and in demonstrations all over, people seem to be asking, how did we get here into the wind? Of course, unfuckers now know more than most how and why we find ourselves in this awful place. Inflation is stealing the last dollars from our pockets. More than a million of our fellow citizens died from a poorly managed pandemic. Key alliances in the world have evaporated, allowing for other world powers to step into our place. Hard-fought welfare reforms, once deemed fundamental, have been chipped away. The wall between church and state is disappearing in schools. Abortion is now illegal in several states, with many more to come. Billionaires have stolen generational prosperity from millions of Americans and are in complete control of the political system now that money enjoys the freedom of speech in our elections. The conservative majority of the Supreme Court has been filled by two presidents who lost the popular vote. 
prescription drugs are higher here than any other industrialized nation. Infant mortality rates are up. Education rates are down. Millions of students are drowning in high interest rate debt. Need I go on? Please don't. But unfuckers no longer question how this all happened. That's been the nature of our journey thus far. To explain how we arrived at this place in history and how we squandered our preeminent place in the world. Today, we're adding yet another brick in the wall and covering the rise of an insidious organization whose power and influence might surprise you, even if you've heard of them. And that's half of the message. We should have an understanding of the evil that surrounds us, but it's not the sole reason to do this episode, as you'll learn. Because this organization has a different and even more dangerous purpose than the ones that we've covered in the past. Well, that's just fucking great! Oh, great! You know what that is? Do you know what that is? Great. That's just fucking great! UNFTR is also sponsored by Insane Level members W. Jeremy D., Tam Jim, Sam C., Ryan F., Rob Nasby, Prof G., Nick G. and Cassie LMM, Nathan Surst, Nathan Second, Nathan E., Michelle H., and Matthew. Chapter 1. The sort of Jews, but not actual Jews, behind the hateful, spiteful, very awful, no-good university that isn't a real university. The Apostle Peter also gave us wisdom for the ages when he wrote, Likewise, you wives, be submissive to your husbands. Likewise, you husbands, live considerately with your wives, bestowing honor on the woman, since you are joint heirs of the grace of life, in order that your prayers may not be hindered. 1 Peter 3, 1, and 7. The Mating Act. The Mating Act may not be the most important part of marriage, but it is important. Once again, courtesy is the key to success in marriage. Scriptures instruct us in the following way. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband, 1 Corinthians 7, 3. The desire for mating varies greatly, so this calls for consideration. The maid who is less interested must be understanding toward the partner's need, and the more active one must restrain himself or herself out of consideration for the partner, if the marriage is to succeed. Both should make an effort to please the partner in this as in all things. These are the words of Voy Wilkes as read by Elder Chuck Henry of the Torah-observant Messianic Israelite Assembly of Yahweh in Rising Star, Texas. Voy Wilkes was the founder of the assembly, which formally adopted its name in 1982, but had roots going back to the 1940s. The assembly is unremarkable in a part of a country known for its megachurches. Its small but tidy and meticulous grounds have ample parking for recreational vehicles. It has a ball field and a basketball court, recreation center, and an outdoor pavilion. Its members live in strict observance of the Torah and reject all newer Christian traditions. Oh, so they're Jews. What's up, my people? Mm, not exactly. Babbling evangelicals that hate Jews? Not that either. Here are some of their beliefs in their own words. Why don't you two give a hand to fully understand who the assembly is? Sure. Okay. What we got here? Uh, Yahweh is one, the Father alone. He is creator and almighty by himself, 
alone. We reject the doctrine of the Trinity. Mm, okay, you do you. That the true religion is Jewish, not a Gentile religion. Boom. Told you these were my people. Oh, continue. Once the person dies, he sleeps in the grave, waiting for the resurrection to come. There is no afterlife in heaven outside the body. Huh. Well, that sucks. <laughs> YOLO, I guess. According to Torah, homosexuality is a grievous sin. There are only two genders, male and female. Practicing any form of transgenderism or cross-dressing is an abomination. Oh, all right. Uh, fuck these guys. That men have the obligation to conduct and lead worship. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Shut up, Manny. That willful abortion is a serious crime. It is murder. This includes pregnancies resulting from rape and incest. Why did you give me the worst ones to read? You get the picture. It's radical evangelism without the babbling shit. Now here's the connection. This particular assembly is a dime a dozen across this great nation of ours. And this one is especially small. But don't let size fool you. The influence of this hateful little place extends well beyond its campground and commissary. Voice son Faris and grandson Kyle are still two of the three elders of this bizarro church. They're all devout followers of the faith and keep the flame lit in honor of their founder. Oh yeah, and they're billionaires. Well, isn't that special? The Vilks made their money in the good old-fashioned American way. Fracking! According to a Bloomberg piece on the family, Faris and his brother Dan make, quote, unlikely billionaires. It goes on to describe how they came about their wealth, saying, quote, They followed in their father's footsteps to become masons in a rural swath of North Texas and used insights about manipulating stone in 2002 to create Fractech Holdings, which combines high-pressure jets of water, sand, and chemicals to smash oil and gas-soaked rocks miles underground. Shale empresario Aubrey McClendon's Chesapeake Energy Corp., bought a 25.8% stake in Fractech at the height of the shale gas frenzy in 2006, helping turn it into the world's fourth largest fracking firm. Five years later, the Wilkeses sold their remaining 74.2% holding of Fractech to a consortium led by Singapore's Tamasek Holdings for $3.5 billion, end quote. Instantly, the brothers were fucking players. What's up, player? I'm here for your daughter. Of course, the Brothers Grimm did what any new money Texans would do with such a windfall. They invested heavily into Ted Cruz. In fact, their $15 million investment into a super PAC called Keeping the Promise made them the single largest supporters of Cruz's presidential bid in 2016. So at least they didn't get anything after running into the buzzsaw that was Donald Trump. Donald claims to care yeah, why? I didn't about want to, but he sent me Donald, his book Donald, with his autograph. Donald, I understand rules Mr. are very Trump, hard for you. They're very job. confusing. I have his book. Okay, now, that, 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 thank you for the book. Donald, thank you for the book. Go ahead. Donald, you can get back on your bed. We had a lot of fun up here tonight, I have to tell you. Yeah, actually, the Wilkes boys did okay with their little investment into Ted. Remember the pandemic? Sure you do. Well, originally, the federal government was going to exclude oil and gas firms from receiving the Paycheck Protection Loans, or the PPP. Then, creepy old Ted sent a letter to Fed Chair Jerome Powell and then-Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, and voila! Magically, Senator Creepy got his way, and three weeks later, Profrac, the company owned by the Wilkes Brothers, received a $35 million 
fully forgivable loan. Ah, horseshit! Now, in fairness, the boys haven't always hit it out of the park with their investments. Sure, they were at one time the largest landowners in Montana and Idaho, and their bank account balances still start with a B, but they've had flops along the way. Continuing to double down on natural gas, the precipitous decline hit the boys in the wallet and purportedly cost them more than $100 million in lost wealth. But it looks as though the boys have rebounded, as it was announced in May of this year that their new company, Profrac Holding Corp., was valued at $2.47 billion in its NASDAQ debut. And this is where our story turns to Prager. It's about time. According to Sludge, an online journal devoted to uncovering corruption, Farris and his wife Joanne are the primary funders of PragerU through their 13 foundation. Quote, the exact amount is unclear because Sludge was unable to obtain the foundation's most recent tax return and the grant details from 2014. But the 13 Foundation donated $250,000 to Prager University Foundation in 2013 and committed $6.25 million for future payment that year. The tax return did not specify how many years it would take to deliver that total to PUF. In 2015, the foundation reported giving $1 million to PUF, and it gave $500,000 the next year, end quote. Now, not to be outdone, brother Dan Wilkes contributed more than a million to PragerU from 2014 to 2017 through his Heavenly Father's Foundation. Dan's mission, for what it's worth, is to, quote, bring the Bible back into the school, end quote. It's also worth mentioning that this wasn't the only investment into new media the Wilkes brothers made. They're also the founders and co-owners of another enterprise that you might have heard of. First up, he's the founder and editor-in-chief of The Daily Wire and host of the nationally syndicated Westwood One radio show and podcast, The Ben Shapiro Show. Ben Shapiro! Yep. The funding for Ben Shapiro's wildly successful Daily Wire venture was provided by the Wilkes brothers. And just how influential is the Daily Wire network? We used one of our podcast audience tracking resources to estimate the reach of the shows on the network, which include Ben's show, The Morning Wire podcast, Candace Owens, Michael Knowles, Matt Walsh, and Andrew Clavin. The average monthly listenership is between 7 and 10 million downloads, but that's just the average. In the aggregate, the number is around 50 million, and that's just their podcasting figures. This doesn't include the reach of their other outlets. The Daily Wire YouTube channel, for example, has 2.7 million subscribers and Shapiro's own channel has 4.7 million. Both Shapiro and Knowles are syndicated on terrestrial radio throughout the country via Westwood One. The Wilkes brothers are the Dr. Frankensteins of new media. My name, it's pronounced Frankenstein. And these are just some of their monsters. So you should know their names. And with that, Let's grab our backpacks and trapper keepers and head off to university. Bruh, nobody knows what trapper keepers are anymore. Rounding out our sponsors, today's episode is brought to you by Unfucking Pro, Carol H. Chapter 2. Dennis, the Menace to Society. But as one of the best-known liberals in America, Harvard Law School professor Alan Dershowitz said... As a liberal, as an American, and as a Jew, I far more fear the left than the right. Dear liberals, conservatives are not your enemy. The left is. I hate this guy already. Oh, just wait. 
The airwaves are filled with so much culture war nonsense that we're starting to lose track of who's doing what in the conservative media ecosystem, which includes the likes of Newsmax, Fox News, and OAN, among others. And since the Trump years, every right-leaning media organization has started to sound the same, making them indistinguishable from one another. While much of the media has been focused almost exclusively on the big names and cable news, they've mostly ignored a less heralded but perhaps more influential and potentially dangerous content shop out of California, Prager University, or PragerU. To get started, here's the first big important thing you need to know about PragerU. On the surface, it appears to ignore the larger culture war battles, but don't be fooled. Culture war hysteria is woven into a larger narrative about what they perceive to be illegitimate liberalism. It bleeds into mostly everything that appears on its media platform, from climate change and policing to guns and, yes, culture war issues like toxic masculinity. The same masculine traits that bring destruction also defeat tyranny. The traits that foster greed also build economies. The traits that drive men to take foolish risks also drive men to take heroic risks. The answer to toxic masculinity isn't less masculinity. It's better masculinity. The second important thing you need to know about PragerU is it's grown exponentially over the past few years without producing content focused exclusively on Trump. For example, that clip you just heard has more than 10 million views on YouTube. And here is where you'll start noticing a trend. While its public-facing material isn't outwardly MAGA, as in the case of the culture wars, PragerU and its hosts, a who's who of modern right-wing stars, from Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens, to former progressive and Young Turks commentator Dave Rubin and Dennis Prager himself, are vehemently pro-Trump. That's right, because of the Wilkes connection, there is a robust coordination also between the Daily Wire platform and PragerU, so all of their information kind of sounds and starts to feel the same. PragerU is 100% aligned with the modern Republican Party, but impressionable youths, or anyone in the midst of formulating a personal political ideology, would hardly know it. So if no one outside of the conservative sphere of influence is remotely aware of PragerU, then why should progressives care? I get it, we have so much to worry about. The economy, climate crisis, poverty, workers' rights, women's rights, war, and a hell of a lot more. The truth is, the left doesn't really have a clear answer to PragerU. This is an entirely different beast. And by its own admission, its viewers are getting younger and are spreading its content far and wide. In 2018, BuzzFeed published a comprehensive piece about PragerU's meteoric rise. The story began with an anecdote about a then-sophomore in high school who came across a PragerU video online called Iran and the Bomb, featuring now New York Times columnist Brett Stevens. He then started loading up more and more of PragerU's videos. He was hooked. As the kid told BuzzFeed, PragerU was instrumental in shaping his beliefs, beliefs he didn't know he had a few weeks earlier. After watching hours of content, his brain was literally rewired. The most memorable line in the story is the one I'm about to recite. It was so poignant, in fact, that PragerU reportedly leveraged it in its marketing material despite the mostly negative tone of the article itself. Here it is. Quote, It took two months for Prager University, one of the biggest, most influential, and yet least understood forces in online media, to mold a conservative. End quote. And that is what we're up against.
PragerU is the brainchild of Dennis Prager, a longtime conservative writer and radio personality who grew up in New York. Now living in California, where PragerU, a nonprofit, is based, Prager reportedly has his hands in everything that his namesake organization produces. He even has the time to host his own show, Fireside Chats, which has over 250 episodes to date. If you tune into these chats, you can hear old Dennis muse over pearls like this. Why are we talking about slavery so much? Think about that. It ended, let's see, it ended uh, 1865. It's 35, 135, 155 years ago. Slavery ended in the United States 155 years ago. Why are we constantly talking about slavery? If things are so bad today, just talk about today. Dennis the Menace racks up literally millions of views on his musings, but his voice extends beyond just his online shows. Like Shapiro and Knowles, Dennis Prager can be heard on nearly 400 radio stations across the country as well. During COVID, Prager came out early and often against vaccines. He also got COVID twice and kept doing his show so his listeners could hear him boldly snot and wheeze through his segments. And he made arguments like this to his adoring fans and legions of unvaxxed listeners. There were 4,000 FU Dennis Pragers just on one tweet last week because I had the chutzpah to say that the unvaccinated are pariahs the way the, that uh, the gays were during the AIDS crisis. But you see, they have a monopoly on victimhood. There are no non-left-wing victims. That's what they believe. However, I would argue that, that the unvaccinated are bigger, uh, are bigger pariahs. Were, were AIDS uh, or, or gays or, or people with AIDS banned from travel? Were they, were they banned from restaurants? Were they fired from their jobs? Were they, were they deprived of a way of feeding their family? The unvaccinated are the most hated group uh, since, uh, I would say, since slavery. That's your university dean for you. Not content infecting American minds, Prager even started an international channel, offering videos in various languages, including Hebrew, Arabic, Russian, and Spanish. It already has more than a half a million views. It also runs Prager Force, a student ambassador program for university students in America and around the world who represent PragerU on campuses. This part is pretty fucked up. While these are unpaid ambassadors who distribute Prager content on their social feeds, Prager claims this student force has more than 20,000 high school and college students sharing their materials, desperately seeking retweets and shares from Prager's popular social accounts. One of Dennis Prager's biggest boogeymen is Islam. This is actually where I first came across Prager's video several years ago. Just a cursory search of the word Muslim on the Prager site returns blockbuster titles like The Dangers of Islamism, Are Some Cultures Better Than Others? Where are moderate Muslims? Radical Islam, the most dangerous ideology. And the ever-popular, how is Muslim immigration to Sweden working out? In a BuzzFeed article we'll link in show notes that examines the growing influence of PragerU, Joseph Bernstein writes that the goal of their videos is to, quote, undo the damage inflicted by an education system that teaches American students that their country is a land of inequality and racism and a place of which to be ashamed, end quote. In addition to personally adding content like his hot takes on the war on Christmas, which is a personal bugaboo of Prager's, he's said to have a hand in approving every single script and item that makes it into the Prager catalog. 
and he frequently courts renowned faculty members like the convicted felon, not that there's anything wrong with that, Dinesh D'Souza, former congressperson and meathead Steve Forbes, and former White House press secretary Dana Perino to appear on the channel. Now dig this, according to BuzzFeed, quote, each video costs between $25 and $30,000 to make, and it shows. Each one of these features the same aesthetic, with the same cartoon characters illustrating each speaker. Each script, which generally starts from a draft by the presenter, is edited to 800 words or fewer by a PragerU staffer. Each video adds to a uniform whole. 20, 30 grand. In small bills, cash. In that little silk purse. Not on if this was somebody else's wedding. Up to 30 grand a video. The author is right. It shows. That's not for the fireside chats or the roundtable discussions, by the way. That budget is for the explainer videos, like top-rated selections. Was the Civil War about slavery? War on boys. Is Islam a religion of peace? And how socialism ruined my country. With millions of viewers, hundreds of videos, contracts with marquee conservative names, it's a wonder how Prager even affords it all. Hey, unfuckers, listen, I'm not suggesting that we have the capacity to build the next Prager U to beat back the efforts of these fundamentalist nutjob libertarian fuck nuggets. But every purchase of native roasted coffee, every virtual coffee donated, or a UNFTR membership goes to support our journey to reveal the actors behind the decline of this empire. To bring together a coalition of smart motherfuckers armed with information and ready to wade into the fight. There's no billionaire behind our cause. Just a bunch of hopped-up, over-caffeinated justice-seeking unfuckers who want to leave this world in a better place than we found it. Any support that you can give us is appreciated. And will also go toward 99's doomsday machine that will eliminate all white men once they turn 75. When you boil it all down, what does a man really need? Just a smoke and a cup of coffee. Chapter 3. So much fucking money! I gotta say... This next bit is pretty fucking genius. Up top, we spoke about how the Wilkes brothers invested in PragerU, and we just went through how expensive it is to do what they do. Here's the crazy part. Prager is a nonprofit. It's an actual 501c3 organization with tax-exempt status. So all the money they raise from outsiders, all the donations from the Wilkes families and others, all tax-deductible. The full name of PragerU is actually Prager University Foundation, it's brilliant for them, and it's lucky for us. Brilliant because it's enabled them to amass a literal fortune in donations to spread their hateful gospel. Lucky because it means they have to file publicly available 990s for everyone to see. So, according to the nonprofit's 2021 filings, its total revenue, get this, was over $56 million, the near majority of which came in the form of contributions and grants. Nearly $9 million went to salaries, including $669,000 for its CEO, Marissa Strait. In the filing, PragerU bills itself as, quote, the world's leading conservative nonprofit that is focused on changing minds, end quote. And according to Strait's interview in Mother Jones, 40% of PragerU's revenue comes from small donors. So, 
What's scary is that their revenue grew to 56 million from 34 million the prior year. This is just getting bigger and bigger. So much so, they barely know what to do with the excess capital. So as we said, of the 56 million, only 9 million went to compensation, leaving 24 million towards program expenses, essentially their curriculum. Propaganda, direct mail, social campaigns, videos, brochures, lectures, etc. 24 million in pure fucking hate propaganda. And while Dennis Prager himself isn't listed as an employee of the organization, buried deep in the 990 shows that his production company, Kansas and Brooklyn Inc., took in $462,000 last year in fees. So the Prager balance sheet reveals just how much of a fucking bonanza it's been for them since Trump left office. As of this year, the foundation is sitting on $18 million in cash, $15 million in savings, and $28 million in investments. All told, it has $61 million in liquid assets, of which $57 million is deemed what they call unrestricted, which means they can spend it any way they please. The illusion has become real, and the more real it becomes, the more desperate they want it. Capitalism at its finest. We promote American values, the 990 continues, quote, through the creative use of digital media as our mission. Taking full advantage of today's technology and social media, we educate millions of Americans and young people about the values that, wait for it, make America great. Our vision is a world committed to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, end quote. In its 2021 report, Dennis Prager says that PragerU had another incredible year with exponential growth on all fronts. Viewers and subscribers have exploded. Content is now available for all ages, including children as young as three years old. America needs PragerU now more than ever, end quote. No, God, please, no, no! In the same report, its executive director, Alan Estrin, says, quote, our flagship five-minute videos are reaching more high school and college kids than ever, end quote. CEO Marissa Strait is explicit in the media network's desires. Here you go, quote, young people are online 10 hours a day, every day. They have an insatiable appetite for content that engages their sensibilities in different ways. PragerU must now counter the left wherever it is dominating, from universities and K-12 to Cartoon Network, YouTube, and PBS Kids, end quote. Yeah, they're coming after Elmo. She goes so far as to say that PragerU is the antidote to PBS Kids. Listen now to the sweet sounds of indoctrination in this promotional video for their children's online curriculum. It's dinner time with family, and you settle in to dine. Your son is watching something, but you think it must be fine. You know it's only kids shows, so you have some peace of mind. But as you eat the roasted goose, your little sport insists. Hey dad, did you know America's racist? Your mind goes numb, your skin turns pale, and your heart aches with fear. Your child is being filled with lies, the babe you once held dear. But in that shocking moment, a man pops into frame. Could it be George Washington, here to save your child's brain? He snatched the screen and changed the thing, the something that is true. It's an app with shows for kids. They call it PragerU. There's content for your child's mind to fight the leftist lies. And if you give your child a chance to watch and think and grow, they might burst forth like Washington, a true American hero. 
Donate to PragerU today and help us teach more kids classic American values. Make your tax-deductible donation at PragerU.com. That's some for real shit right there, unfuckers. Even as PragerU and other conservative outlets condemn the mainstream press, they do so desperately love the validation that comes with being mentioned by elite journalistic institutions. Among the highlights from 2020 was being featured on A1 of the New York Times. Hilariously, six days after the Times story dropped, Prager published its own video with the ominous title, Can You Trust the New York Times? Speaking of hypocrisy, according to its 2021 filings, PragerU paid Facebook $6.9 million for media and marketing even as it claimed the company is suppressing the outlet and feigns outrage over Facebook's fact-checking its own videos. The organization also paid Google $4.5 million for similar services, despite a failed lawsuit against YouTube, a Google company, for allegedly violating its First Amendment rights following the removal of what the tech firm dubbed inappropriate content. The very public battle against YouTube had one clear goal, to serve as catnip for a right-wing base that thrives on victimhood and sees a conspiracy around every corner. YouTube is a huge audience generator for PragerU. A Mother Jones article from 2018 noted that more than 60% of the right-wing's group's viewers on YouTube were younger than 35. Besides YouTube and its website, PragerU also relies heavily on Facebook to attract new viewers. At one point, the organization said its videos had reached one-third of Facebook's entire U.S. users, an astronomical figure. Its own polling, obviously biased, found that 70% of people who have seen a Prager video changed their minds on an issue. That was reported in Mother Jones. And you can't talk about PragerU and the wider right-wing media sphere without mentioning the religious and the Christian right. And thanks to the sociologist and media scholar Dr. Francesca Tripodi, we know quite a bit about why conservatives have an insatiable appetite for PragerU's content. In an interview with the anti-hate group Southern Poverty Law Center, Tripodi noted that PragerU is, quote, very blatantly algorithmically connected, end quote, to the type of extreme right content found on platforms like YouTube. She then drilled deeper into PragerU for a massive research project about the religious right, which helps explain a shit ton about how the evangelicals and other religious supporters of Trump and his acolytes so passionately embrace policies and political figures that are seemingly at odds with religious teachings. First, she dispels with the narrative that PragerU isn't full-on MAGA. Quote, even though PragerU content and videos do not directly feature Donald Trump or current controversies, they consistently amplify two central arguments that conservatives associate with Trump's public statements, that the mainstream media are dishonest and driven by emotion rather than intellect, and that the left has become increasingly radical and is akin to hate groups like the alt-right, end quote. Second, and perhaps more important for our purposes, is how the extreme right interprets the news, which actually means dismissing it altogether. In observing a select group of people on the religious right, Tripodi determined that media literacy, the practice of objectively interpreting and understanding the news, something we all learn in grade school, exists to a degree, but everything is filtered through core religious beliefs. Quote, I argue that practices learned in Bible study are applied to media interpretation. The conservatives, I observed, all hold the belief that certain fundamental truths exist, and they critically interrogate media messages in the same way they approach the Bible, focusing on specific passages and comparing what they read, see, and hear to their lived experiences. I term this media interrogation process scriptural inference 
whereby audiences apply the technique of closely reading the word to other documents, end quote. And that scriptural inference, according to Tripodi, fits neatly into PragerU's core strategy. As she explains, its content is specifically designed to satisfy and exploit the processes of scriptural inference. Or as she puts it another way, PragerU and like-minded media organizations are, quote, preying on the practice of scriptural inference to legitimize their messaging, end quote. So no, conservatives weren't hoodwinked into supporting Trump. Their resounding support for the twice-divorced, foul-mouthed charlatan actually made complete sense. So again, as Tripodi says, quote, I watched as conservatives carefully and meticulously constructed a political reality to support Trump's presidency by relying on media literacy practices taught to them in church, end quote. Prager used most dedicated viewers, especially the religious right, can see the bigger picture. Saving children. Chapter 4. Bring it home, Max. Prager pretends not to care about the culture war. They don't profess to be part of the MAGA cult. They don't feature screaming talking heads. The channel is mostly filled with partially animated explainer videos with folksy presenters who are all like, Can you believe that people think America is racist? PragerU's annual report is unabashedly culture war theater, claiming that it's battling woke education while also rapidly creating content for, quote, ever younger ages. And this is the biggest problem. PragerU is locked and loaded with 60 million in cash aimed directly at the minds of young people in this and now other countries. It's producing content directed at teens with a series called TBH, which is a Gen Z acronym, they say proudly, to counteract the teachings of historians like Howard Zinn. Total viewership of all PragerU Kids content is 6 million and counting. They'll accept nothing less than a complete rewiring of our children's brains. According to its most recent figures, PragerU has now produced 500 plus five minute videos with more than 5.5 billion lifetime views. 5.5 billion. That is a stunning output. Dennis Prager's fireside chats are for old people, and they're the equivalent of Hugo Chavez's weekly television show. The 400 radio stations that carry his stupid show reach the old and dying audience that make up the rural Republican base across the nation. But to the youth, Dennis Prager is just a lumbering old grandfatherly figure, totally non-threatening, earnest in his presentation. But his organization's propaganda is anything but. By styling itself as a university, or really as an alternative to anti-speech and intolerant liberal colleges, PragerU has emerged as a leading educational outfit, one that early on honed in on fears of Muslims and immigration to the West, but is now wholly committed to shaping the minds of an increasingly younger audience. Its flagship five-minute videos are pretty benign, actually, which is probably the scariest part of all this. Most people, especially highly impressionable young people, wouldn't even know that they're staring down the barrel of a right-wing media machine whose core mission is to indoctrinate as many people as fast as possible. It's dressed-up, sanitized, alt-right content that appears rather wholesome. Now, Prager claims that 40% of their haul comes from small-dollar donations. That translates to more than $20 million in donations from people who attend PragerU. 
Selecting the lowest recurring monthly charge of $25 means that about 75,000 people donate monthly to Prager if we're to believe those numbers, right? And that's disturbing. But more disturbing to me is the 30 plus million that comes from big dollar donors. Donors like the founding Wilkes brothers who believe homosexuality is an abomination. Women should be subservient. And abortion, even in the case of rape and incest, is murder. PragerU is their curriculum. And because it's considered a nonprofit, which is the biggest joke of all of this, they even get to write off their donations. Events of recent weeks should demonstrate just how completely we've been beaten. They own the court for a generation now. So this is only just beginning. And with inflation and gas prices where they are, they may very well trounce Democrats in the fall and be able to further codify their bullshit into law. But they won't be happy until they've infected the minds of the next generation as well. And here we are again behind the eight ball. They're beating us to the punch yet again. Dennis Prager is Joseph Goebbels. They're coming for our children. Resistance must turn to rebellion. Here endeth the lesson. Teach your children well. Their father's hell did slowly go by. And feed them on your dreams. The one they picked. The one you know by. Don't you ever ask them why. If they told you you would cry, so just look at them and sigh. And know they love you. It's the end of the episode where we used to do show notes. Now we just talk through a few things. Reflect on what was said or what we should have done instead. Oh, post-show musings. Welcome into post-show musings. Hey, first off, let's continue with our summer of legislation theme. The Lower Drug Costs Now Act would dramatically change how the government can negotiate drug prices for Medicare recipients. It would mean more than $450 billion in savings over 10 years. That's an old clip from when H.R. 3, the Elijah Cummings Lower Drug Costs Now Act, passed the House in the last Congress. And even though Democrats claim it's priority, it actually died in the House at the hands of the Democrats themselves this year. It was a provision in the dead-on-arrival BBB bill, so now it's stripped out and back on its own again. And by the way, the three Democratic Congress people who voted for it in the last session wound up being wooed by some substantial big pharma donations and voting against it this time. Because that's how our democracy works now. Nevertheless, it's a good bill to review because it will continue to get kicked around for a while and it needs to be revived vigorously and brought to a vote in the House. Here's the summary of the bill. The bill establishes several programs and requirements related to the prices of prescription drugs. In particular, the bill requires the Department of Health and Human Services to negotiate prices for certain drugs. Specifically, HHS must negotiate maximum prices for single-source brand-name drugs that lack certain generics and that are among either the 125 drugs 
that account for the greatest national spending or the 125 drugs that account for the greatest Medicare spending. HHS must negotiate the prices of at least 25 such drugs for 2024 and of at least 50 such drugs thereafter and must also negotiate prices for certain newly approved drugs and for insulin products. The negotiated prices must be offered under Medicare and must also be offered under private health insurance unless the insurer opts out. Now, this is interesting. The negotiated maximum price may not exceed either one, 120% of the average price in Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Japan, and the UK, or two, if such information is not available, 85% of the US average manufacturer price. Drug manufacturers that fail to comply with the bill's negotiation requirements are subject to civil and tax penalties. Now, it also makes a series of additional changes to Medicare prescription drug coverage and pricing, including by one, requiring drug manufacturers to issue rebates to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services for covered drugs that cost $100 or more and for which the average manufacturer price increases faster than inflation, and two, reducing the annual out-of-pocket spending threshold and eliminating beneficiary cost sharing above this threshold under the Medicare prescription drug benefit. It also requires drug manufacturers to report specified information for certain high-cost drugs and provides funds for the opioid epidemic initiatives and biomedical research. So again, the main sponsor of this was Representative Frank Pallone Jr. And here's in a nutshell what it does. It requires HHS to negotiate prices for particular drugs, single source name drugs, drugs that lack generic brands, drugs among the 125 that account for most national spending, right? It requires HHS to decide on prices for at least 25 new drugs by 2024 and another 50 after that. It has to include drugs like insulin, and the prices must be offered by Medicare private insurance companies that have the choice whether or not they too would like to adopt the decided drug prices. It requires that the drugs align to their respective prices in other countries and cannot exceed 120% of those countries that we mentioned before. And if the information cannot be found, it can't exceed 85% of the average manufacturer price. So this really would work to bring down the cost of prescription drugs in this country. It's a fucking shame, obviously, that the Democrats once again found new suitors in big pharma to persuade them to vote the other way or hold it back for some technicality reason. And I'm not sure what the future of this holds if we do get obliterated in the midterms. It doesn't make you hopeful for the next Congress. But this is one of those things that should be a no-brainer, especially in the Republican base that has so many aging people in that population. It's one of those no-brainer bills. That's why it's such a low number, right? Because it's, it's punted every year like H.R. 3. There's thousands and thousands of bills proposed every year. This is number three because it's that fucking important and that universal in the country. And we are that fucked up with respect to other countries in the world. So that's H.R. 3, the Elijah Cummings bill. Sadly, he has passed away, so we never got to see that uh, taken up. But we can do the right thing posthumously and make that happen. 99. Welcome into post-show musings. Had you ever seen PragerU videos? And if you had, do you, did you kind of recognize what the fuck they were? No, I just sort of knew the name. It also sounds like, like a chicken nugget company or something. PragerU? Yeah. Like Purdue? Yeah, I think I, I think I think I think my brain took Purdue University, Purdue Chicken Nuggets, and said, 
this is a chicken nugget company and I want nothing to do with it. Have you ever been served their videos? Served their chicken nuggets? No. I don't believe so. No, but you had just sort of a general awareness of them. Really? Really? No. 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 I don't spend a lot of my time in those online spaces, I feel like. Yeah. Like, I'm not a huge YouTuber person where I go down, like, rabbit holes and then I end up on a weird video. Mm-hmm. If I do, I don't notice it really consciously, like, if it's playing in the background. But, yeah. You know, I remember when the era of the, because I was in the business, the era of the newspaper dying, one of the great concerns was that peripheral learning would disappear. So there's an article on page two. You finish it and your eye just goes to the article on page three that you might not have read. But now we have these algorithms that are forcing a different type of peripheral learning, but deeper down that rabbit hole. And Prager, you, I mean, the output of videos here is astounding. Five billion views. It, it's, I don't know, I don't know how we combat this without money. I'm not talking about us. I'm just talking about the the billionaire class. Like the the lesson to take away here is that Every billionaire out there, I guess except George Soros, takes their money and funds horrific measures like this. These billionaires are funding vehicles to infect people's minds and judgment that have an impact on public policy and the way that we perceive things in this country. And when other people from outside of the country look in and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? Like America, get your shit together. Well, I mean, we don't really recognize the steady barrage of propaganda that we are up against because it doesn't really exist in this fashion any other place. And it always starts with a billionaire with some fucking idea about how the world should be, you know, and they fund these causes to to, to make it a reality. It's sick. It's psychotic. Why don't we have those billionaires on our side? They're too busy, like, continuing to make money. They'll fund a think tank or something like that, maybe. But, like, this is really shitty. This is the most direct propagandistic enterprise that I can imagine. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anyone who's doing anything good in in that way, you know. Well, I mean, you had The Intercept, right? Yeah, I mean, the... Bill and Melinda Gates, but that's a foundation, so that money's going to people, and he's also not a good person, so we've learned. Right, I mean, he was, I mean, he spent the better part of the the last decade pushing for charter schools and private education and trying to take money away from public schools through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. You know, so, so again, so like, so the Koch brothers, the Mercer family, these Wilkes brothers, they... They create mind share. They're they're trying to steal mind share. And it's different than even even Bill Gates trying to reform education. Even if you looked at that in the most generous view to say he really wants kids to be better educated in this country. They're putting their money to work to change something and an infrastructure. Whereas the billionaires on the right just want to change your mind because they want everything to stay as it is or crumble and get worse. But That's why? the sickness. <laughs> I never understand like in movies where the like, villain's goal is to just end the world. I'm like, what do you get out of ending the world? Right. Because the world will be ended. It's like Michael Caine as Alfred in The Dark Knight. What does he say? 
Some people just want to see the world burn. Right. It's right? like, what is? what do they get out of that? Everything will just be worse. I know they can't realize that they don't or they don't care, but... These guys are different. Like, these guys are special. Because they're just a bunch of fucking nomads sitting in the middle of the desert that came into a billion dollars. And they're like, let's take our beliefs from our little fucking church and spread it across the world. Unbelievable, right? There's just too, there's too much... There's too much evil. It makes me really sad. Yeah, these guys are really villainous. All of this, there's so many... Like, we could pull on this thread. There's a PragerU for everything. Yeah. So this is only one facet. This is the this is the YouTube universe, social media. There is something like this somewhere else in our country in a different fashion. And we could do this, have the same fucking episode, and just get to the same conclusion that here's a shitty thing being funded by billionaires for literal... The greater bad <laughs> for the greater, the greater bad. bad. Yeah. And it's just and so overwhelming. To your minds. Yeah, it's overwhelming and it's depressing. And it makes me feel sometimes very dystopian. Like, even sometimes when I think about algorithms and how this all happens and that this exists and how sophisticated it is, and we don't even see it because we're just, we're immersed in it every day. And how far we've come so quickly and how exponentially it will grow and 10x next year and 10x next year. And then like- To go from 34 to $56 million in the bank is not an insignificant amount. They couldn't even spend it all. That's why so so much of their money is still sitting in a savings account and not yet invested. I'll take They're it. They're wash in new cash. Is it okay to be funded by bad people if you're doing it for good things? Sure. <laughs> no, I think it'd probably be bad. Sure. What if I took Blood it? Blood money. Yeah, if I took it and I like gave it to homeless people, like if I tried to end homelessness with the bad money, is that okay? I think so. I think so. I would be absolved. I think we should arm all the homeless people now that you can just you know carry carry a gun. They should be able to defend themselves. We should start a fund to arm homeless. I think you've been watching too many PragerU videos. Right. That's what they want you to think. Yeah. They want you to think that the homeless people are all getting armed and the homeless army is going to come and get us. That's what they want you to think. Really, they just want to live and not be bothered and maybe have homes. That's why we have to give them guns. Or health care. Nah, just give them guns. They don't need health care. They don't need homes. Everybody should have a gun, even the homeless. You're right. The best medicine is guns. Yes. Yes. I have that like on a pillow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did you knit that? I did. That's so sweet. Yeah. Well, I, I cross-stitched it. I didn't, I didn't knit it. I oh, just, okay. Yeah, I just wanted okay. to clarify. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's dark, unfuckers. And how we combat this, this is one of those, I think you, everyone should be aware of how big this is kind of stories. Even though you might have known about it or you might have heard them or you might have even seen their videos, whatever. There's no specific antidote to this other than being aware of it and being like, holy fucking shit we need to really get organized to share the right information with one another because they're coming for our kids that's the scary part about this you know you leave a kid unattended as we all do in high school to even sit younger. there even young i've seen videos that were assigned by professors at my kids school that were you know for for context and history that i knew came from alt-right sources because in high school or college in high school in high school yeah because they're just fishing in the universe for something with the subject matter and if you come across hello 911 <laughs> but if you come across 
a video like a Prager video that looks very smart and very wholesome and very well put together and obviously funded, like you can see how this stuff gets into people's minds. All it takes is one kid to search a normal video, be served a Prager video, to go down that rabbit hole, come to their incredible website and think that they have arrived at a real place of learning. Like there's no difference between their presentation and let's say a, a lynda.com or a masterclass, right? I mean, they just look fucking tight and legit. It's just well, so- never, anyway. never download worksheets from a weird site <laughs> for your class. <laughs> you know, always vet your sources. Yes. And always vet your sources for videos. If you're gonna borrow content as a teacher or use sources, and share unfucking the Republic with everybody that you know. Anyway, as always, unfucking the Republic is edited and arranged by sound design maestro Manny Faces. Right, this is how Michael Caine speaks. Michael Caine speaks to his nose like that. He gets very, very specific. It's very like that. When he gets loudly, it gets very loud indeed. It gets very specific. It's not quite nasal enough the way you're doing it, all right? You're not doing it the way he speaks. You're not doing it with the kind of... And you don't do the broken voice when he gets very emotional. When he gets very emotional indeed. She was only 16 years old. She was only 16... You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. That's Michael Caine. The show is lovingly produced by the great and powerful 99. Leave Elmo alone. Our theme music was composed by Tom McGovern. Visit TomMcGovern.com. The show is hosted by cartoon Nazis and distributed by billionaires. Send us your comments, your questions, your suggestions to UNFTRPod at gmail.com. Connect with us on social at UNFTRPod. Become a member at buymeacoffee.com slash UNFTR. Visit our book list at bookshop.org slash shop slash UNFTRPod. Get some native roasted coffee at UNFTR.com slash shop. And read our essays on Substack. We got a ton of new subfuckers come over to us in the past few weeks, which I'm very grateful for. So read our essays there, unftr.substack.com. And remember, it's always going to be free. Have a great weekend, 99. I'll see you for show notes. Go fuck yourself, San Diego.